Previously on Just Cow in the City. Believe me, you don't want Dave Juskow distracted when he's going off on a tangent. Every Thursday, it fucking rains. The frosty beer mugs. Oh. So then what do I do? I got to put on my plate? I hate that. What shoes can I wear where my socks are not going to get wet? Well, the answer is none. Everything I have is falling apart. Somebody's got to make something called the Juskow in the City shoe. Guy. And you know the plans he's making His only expertise is making a fuss of everything he sees He lives a life no one would ever believe And which is why they call him Exciting episode of Just Cow in the City. My name is Dave Just Cow. Welcome to the January 24th, 2022 edition. I have been drinking. No, not now, but uh, last night. So uh, hungover, voice uh, shot, all that kind of good stuff that we expect from Just Cow in the City. Because it's called Just Cow in the City for a reason. Because you gotta, you gotta go outside to experience the city. And how are you, everybody? Yeah, I did go out lots uh, this week, I guess, or maybe just more than usual. I don't even know, but interesting, big week for me. As we all know, big uh, teaching assignment this week, which happened yesterday as I record this on Friday, coming out on Tuesday. So I hope, uh, again, everybody had a lovely week, and I guess we'll just start off there. Because I am assuming that anybody that listens to this podcast wants to know how it went, what happened, uh, what can you tell us? What can you tell us without uh, these young kids uh, listening in and feeling like our teacher's crazy? But thats they already know that from class, so it doesn't really matter. But yesterday I had my first teaching assignment ever at a university. Professor David Juskow took the stage. At 5.30 p.m. last night. And uh, I would say that I thought it went quite well. But we'll leave it to see if they all come back next week. <laughs> that will, of course, be the the uh, catalyst, uh, you might say. is Assuming that everybody had a good time, I guess... They will come back. Otherwise, they're like, oh, I got to drop this class. It's stupid and it's a waste of my time. Hopefully, that won't be the case and we'll see what happens. Uh, I was very uptight, obviously, just for you'd have to be an idiot to not be a little nervous about your first day. Also, of course, because it was Thursday, it was raining. Oh, I wasn't just making that up last week. Every goddamn Thursday it rains, and it was raining really hard. So this time I use the shoes that I think are waterproof, but they're not. I walk outside, and this time the right shoe. My sock is all wet. I I mean, it, it wasn't totally wet like the last time, which clearly there's a problem with those shoes. But these shoes are supposed to be better, but my feet were cold and chilly, and it was a shitty, shitty day to have bad shoes. My sister at this moment, I think, is trying to buy me some better shoes, which is very nice of her because she just knows I probably won't do it on my own. Meanwhile, I've tried to do it on my own. Can't seem to find the right one. But I will tell you that you guys, um, Liz uh, from Canada and, and Marcy and Catalina, have really been trying to find me a good shoe to wear. You know, and it, but the, that's the thing, right? It's like, well, you might want this, and, you know, Matt has this. But I'm like, it's got to be a shoe. I can wear to work and will be able need to walk home because, you know, only women 
you know, have different shoes at work. I mean, if you're a real man, you leave in the shoes you came from. But women always, since I've been working in an office, always have sneakers under their desk. That's how they come in and they change when they get to the office. Although all that now might be out the window, seeing how COVID has changed the way we live and work and, and breathe and everything. But that doesn't matter and it doesn't concern me. Me, I just got to worry about my own self and my comfort as I played in the Forrest Gump clip. You got to have comfortable socks and shoes. It really does make a difference, especially if you're just hanging around and walking in the round in the rain all day, which is what I did yesterday. Just even go into the car saying to myself, Jesus Christ, I hope this starts today. I don't need trouble with this today. And lo and behold, I mean, I got there early just in case. I would, of course, it started. It started right up. I didn't have to do anything to it. I'm like, you know what? I don't get what the hell's happening. Maybe, I mean, last time I was there, the lights were on. So I don't know whether somebody's leaving the lights on or whatever the case may be. But it's been exactly a week and it started up perfectly and flawlessly. So good for me. That thrilled me. Because otherwise I was going to have to take uh, the train. But then, you know, I had to organize it so I could definitely catch the last train that was going to get me there on time and leave the parking garage to get to the Penn Station, so I didn't have to do any of that, which was really good. Obviously, I was talking so much yesterday, not just in class, but then after, because I went to a bar. But again, let's just uh, go in order here. So I get I get to the university, and oh, first, see, there was all this problems. See, on Tuesday, I had been waiting for them to give me more information or stuff, anything I got to fill out or do, as you know, for like a year, but let's just say the last six months, or at the very least, let's just say in December, I'm like, do I need anything else? Like, nah, and they're like, they're going to send you all this stuff. Nobody sent anything until Tuesday. Tuesday night, I get an email like, hey, you haven't signed up for get your email address. I'm like, well, nobody sent me anything. I'm like, oh, they were supposed to. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't really help me now. And I was out on Tuesday. So I came home and I filled out this stuff, but I didn't get it anywhere near accomplished because everything was faulty. So then on Wednesday night, when I get home from work, so I have to wait, I take this tutorial. They give you, they finally sent a bunch of stuff. Meanwhile, it's not, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not set up where it's saying I'm the professor of the class. So I can't get in touch with my students to tell them where the place is because it's a little difficult to find because it's not set up right because apparently HR didn't send the proper thing and they're like, you got to call IT. So I call IT. I'm talking to somebody who's just got no sense of humor and she's like a student there and just, I guess, doesn't know what she's doing. She says, you got to call the registrar's office. I call the registrar's office. They're closed. I call them in the morning when I wake up on Thursday, which I'm upset about that I got to do this when I'm already in my head. I call the registrar's office. They're like, yeah, you got to call IT. And I'm like, are you fucking, are you really guys giving me the runaround today? Is this a joke? And I call IT and there's somebody, I mean, nobody's got a sense of humor there at all. I mean, I'm trying to be funny because I'm taking it like, because otherwise I'm going to start screaming, but I don't want to do that on my first day. But nobody's got a sense of humor, right? So anyway, the day before on Wednesday, I'd gotten an email saying, hey, there's this for new teachers. You could do this. But of course it was all, uh, you know, I only got it on Wednesday morning and they were all like, I'm like, oh, great. Thank you so much for your help. So I was really pissed off, but I found one that's 6 o'clock on Wednesday. I said, well, I'll be home by then. That can work out. And it's, I call, and then the, the person writes back, who's, I guess, doing the Zoom thing, like, hey, can you do it later? And I'm like, what do you mean me? And they're like, yeah, you're the only one in the class. I bet nobody was taking it. Anyway, I'm like, whatever. And then she just kept changing the time because I was the only one in the class. There's supposed to be like 20 people in it or something, but I guess nobody else seems to care. And I just, if you had any questions about being a new teacher or something, it was a pretty good deal, but don't give it to me the day before class. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's completely uncool. Why couldn't that be the week before? It's, I don't know, you know, whatever. Anyway, I talked to this woman. She sucked. I mean, seriously. I mean, she was like... I, I understand if you don't have a sense of humor, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm asking you questions. I'm obviously a little nervous. You can lighten up a little bit and you don't have to be such a dick. It's, you're, it's, she's a social worker, so she's obviously got absolutely no sense of humor. And of course, all social workers are pretty much scumbags. Wrong term. They're just losers. 
They're just losers because they're not actually, they didn't go for the doctor. I, they shouldn't be helping people because obviously this woman's got trouble. She's screaming at her family while she's on, I'm trying to learn about teaching. I'm not, what? I'm like, this is helpful. So I, I was really pissed off. And I said to my sister, I said, listen, if I do another semester, you know, if this works and I do another semester, I'm going to say, let me be one of the people that introduces you because it'll be so much better for everybody. Meanwhile, you know, most of those professors are probably a little dull, I guess. But I think I could be um, a, a better introductory to somebody be trying to, you know, being a little nervous. My God, this is a social where there's a person that deals with human beings and their issues and you're just a jerk. Seriously, I almost filled that. They said, hey, can you uh, make a submit uh, a, a card, you know, to see how we did? And I was almost going to write. You suck. You are the worst person. But I'm like, you know what? Let's just relax. Let's not just gal this thing up. And let's just take it easy. Let's take it easy. Because the guy I work with is a great guy. And he understands because he said, so anyway, apparently this is all an HR problem. You know how I hate HR in every company. You know, I got so many problems with HR in my company now. There's this horrible woman, horrible woman that I've asked to, like, can we do something about her? She made me feel uncomfortable. But, of course, I look like a dick because I'm a guy. Meanwhile, my friend, who's a girl, went to them and they said, shut your mouth. Can you believe this? In this day and age, we're getting shit because HR is not cool. They make us feel uncomfortable and that we can't complain to HR? What the fuck is going on? Everybody's two-faced. That should be my show. You know that. Everybody's two-faced, except your pal Dave Juskow tells you like it is. Am I right? <sighs> anyway. <clears throat> so, yeah, they, they messed something up so I couldn't communicate with the students. I can't put the assignment. They're like, where well, you can put your syllabus up there. I'm like, I didn't make a syllabus. What are you talking about? I'm like, I, I, I didn't know that was the thing that I had to. That nobody told me anything. It's fine. Whatever. It can all be handled. I just wish it could have been handled a month in advance, a week in advance. Like if they had at least gotten me this thing the Thursday before, you could make a case, but a day before, really? I mean, I got an email saying I didn't sign up yet on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and I was out. So all that was really making me upset, but not upset enough to get to the final result, which was going to be a good time and fun and something really kind of spectacular in my life i think because obviously i like talking about movies i like kids uh, i like just talking <laughs> obviously and i like having a conversation and i, I mean it, i finally get to the school and you know i figured out the park I, I worked out all the proper stuff i'm supposed to that i could do and they told me this guy told me where to park and it's like Okay, now what you do, it's, it's, it's like right out of uh, the 1970s, which I always tell you that people would draw stuff on a cocktail napkin to get somewhere, you know, it's like that. He's like, well, now you're going to come up against the camp, you see, but don't take that. There's going to be a fork in the road, but don't even look at that. You keep going straight until you see the president's house. Now, don't go in there because he'll get angry. I mean, it was like really funny, but the parking lot is this small little parking lot that you could park in, but it's like far away. And again, it was raining. My shoes were already wet from just walking from home to the garage. I'm walking to the campus and my feet, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This would technically be a lovely walk on a beautiful day in the campus, which it should have been, but it was not. So I go to the hall I'm supposed to go to. I go downstairs. I can't obviously get in because the door that to my room only opens at five o'clock, like electronically. So anyway, this guy, this great guy Matt was really nice, and he let me in, and be, uh, and then let me in the screen. And I pretty much said everything, you know. I set my laptop up, so I bought this. I bought a mouse for the lap, you know, my crappy little laptop, but it was working. I bought a mouse, a new mouse, and a clicker too, so I could go from picture to picture and not just the video. So it was really, it was really good. Uh, I had everything ready, and I was able to fix up uh, the projector and everything. Like, I hooked it all up by myself after he just left me in. I was, I was able to put my stuff down and set everything up, and I had I was three hours ahead, right? I didn't do that. So then I said, hey, um, I can't seem to get the video working. The audio is working. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's because that projector won't come on until 5 o'clock. And I'm like, D <laughs> <We're> the <laughs> 
well, who, who, when was somebody going to tell me that? He's like, well, I can put it on earlier. I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> so fucking annoying. Uh, it's not his fault. It's not. It's nobody's fault. It's whatever. I just kind of said warm. I was so proud of myself that I was figuring it all out on my own using the stuff on the lectern and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, figured it out. And then I had like nothing but time. So they were like, well, you should go get your ID card. It's at this office. And they're like, oh, it's at this hall. And I'm like, well, where's that? And they're like, okay, if you take a left by the president's office, you know, it's again. I'm like, oh, great. And which wouldn't even be an issue because I got nothing but time, except it's pouring rain outside. And this woman who had opened the room for me initially was just like, oh, you probably don't want to go there in the rain. But I'm like, I got nothing but time. So I go in the rain and I get my ID card. And it was, it couldn't have been easier. I just went there and they got it. I had submitted a picture before and I walked out of there with an ID card laughing so hard because now I called my friend Lawrence today. I was so happy because now I can officially do the scene, the Harvey Corman scene from Blazing Saddles. And when I go to the movies, I'll be like, one please, student. Drop your beats. Uh, one please. Uh, student. Are you kidding? In the ass. Look, Herman, I'm in Hedy Lamar's shoes. Headley. Raisinets. Raisinets. <laughs> Are you kidding? Ah, now I can flash my student. Even though it says faculty, but it's still funny. I mean, it's still funny. One please, student. <laughs> oh, I can't even wait. I'm so excited. So I, that, that made me happy. And then I walked back. Uh, to the place and I'm like well now now I just sat in a chair for an hour like waiting because it was early meanwhile I'm pretty sure one of my students was out there because he said well I got a class he was talking to somebody else and I was just sitting in the chair saying, I got a class at 5 30 and I wanted to say something but I got I panicked then I like around 4 45 I went to get a cup of coffee which is at this uh, place called uh, Cafe DM and I went there and I got a vanilla latte which was delicious and a chocolate chip cookie because I hadn't eaten anything all day because I was very nervous I was going to have diarrhea <laughs> And nobody wants that. So I just had a cookie because I didn't want my stomach to rumble or anything. And I went back and just sat in the room and waited for the action. You know, I was all set. My computer was all set. Everything was ready. I I put the uh, class thing on the screen, completely clueless. It says it. And then this uh, one girl came in, and she was terrific and came in early. And we just talked for a while. And then everybody kind of struggled in, and they were all on time. And we just started talking. You know, I took I had to take attendance. <laughs> it was great. And people just came and went as they wanted to, if they wanted to go to the bathroom, which was fun. But I, you, as a stand-up comedian, I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> you know, you can't help yourself. But we just started talking, and I sat down in a chair in front of them, and they just were spread out. I didn't want to make anybody come closer. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be that. You let them sit where they want to sit. It's a small screening room, so it's no big deal. I've never been one of those those teachers like, come on, I need people to move up front. I don't give a shit. I wouldn't do that at a comedy club either. People want to sit in the back, you sit in the back. That's always where I want to sit. And some people like sitting in the front, you just hope for the best. So we just started talking. I asked them the most important question was like, I said, what do you want out of this class? But that's not what I meant. I meant like, you know, what what's your plan in a way, I mean, I just was trying to figure out what they were there for. Were they there just because they are Clueless fans or were they there because they'd like to talk about screenwriting or character study? And it turns out most of them were like character study and screenwriting, which was fantastic because then I know where I can take the course the rest of the way because it just wasn't positive. So then we went around and like I said, we talked about, you know, I asked everybody what their favorite movie was and why. And everybody had great answers. And then some people said, oh, I hate that movie. I hate this movie. I love that too. What's better than just having a nice discussion like that? And, you know, it really made me happy. One was, you know, somebody's favorite film was Back to the Future. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm with you. That could totally be up. I think that's in my top five. We talked about that. And then I was telling them stuff. I'm like, well, did you know how it was supposed to be? It was like, you know, because the script was made in 82 and it was supposed to be an audio recorder, just like tape recorder. Not they didn't have video tape recorders then. So it was originally written and it was supposed to time travel in a refrigerator. And uh, so I, th I think they I'd like to think they found that interesting. Obviously, can't please everybody at the same time. Uh, two of the guys didn't see the movie Clueless, which would normally blow my mind but like i said my nephew goes there and i could see him doing that so i 
was man and remember i couldn't because the electronics don't work i couldn't actually tell them and the thing the one requirement of course is to watch the movie so we're watching an eclipse i i don't think they really care meanwhile i'm trying to put it on my google drive so Next week, we're going to talk about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Why not? Because I'm talking about Amy Heckerling as a director. So next week, we're going to talk about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I'm trying to put the movie on my Google Drive, but it's taking forever to process. So we can watch it and then have a discussion about that next week. How cool is that going to be? I mean, what's better than that? We're just going to sit down and have a discussion. What would you think of the movie? What would you think of this? What would you think of that? We'll show some clips. We'll talk about it. I want to take this class. Assuming, like I said, they all come back next week, uh, I think this is going to make me very happy. What's better, you know, knowing full well they don't even know who Sean Penn is. They've heard the name, but they don't know any of his stuff. And the question is, you know, does this movie hold up? Um, Do people that were born in the year, you know, 2002, uh, can they appreciate a movie that took place 40 years ago about high school kids since they're fresh out of high school? Will it resonate with them? This is all good stuff, right? I mean, this is what we're doing and just having a a conversation. And that's what college and really high school, if you're mature enough, should be a back and forth um, and and debating and and discussing. And, you know, me, I I mean, I like talking to people. I've always said this. I love people that are knowledgeable about stuff and hearing about them. So we all know I'm pretty knowledgeable about this kind of stuff, not about actual filmmaking, maybe your stuff, but. You know, I, I I have insight, I guess, and let alone uh, being friendly with the director and, and writer and stuff. But well, not the writer for Fast Times. But uh, you know, I've always said I love hearing when people know about wine or beer, or even if somebody is, if I trust them. If you're talking to Al Franken and he's going to tell you about politics, I'm going to want to hear what he has to say. You know, and that, and I could say that about somebody at Fox News as well. If it's somebody I trust and I respect their opinion, somebody who I think is smart or is especially smarter than me, which is most people, then that's a great discussion or, or just listening to somebody talk like that. So I like that. Anyway, I'm very excited about that. I hope this works out so they can see the movie. I don't want them to have to pay. They shouldn't have to pay for anything. I just don't know how to deliver them the movie and nobody has a cd player anymore they can't like just burn copies so i don't know or dvd you know i don't i just don't know how you're supposed to do it in this day and age i was thinking about when i was in school and i took a film class the thing i hated most about the film class but now when i think about it i don't even know how they got those movies i mean they were on 16 millimeter i don't even know whether they're on vhs because this is 1982 So we saw Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all this kind of stuff, but I hated it. It was a 7 o'clock class, 7 to 10, three-hour class, film class. I'm fast asleep by 7 o'clock on a Thursday when you're in college, drinking. You know what I'm saying. The last thing I want to do is actually see a full movie. I mean, you'd think maybe this is good, but I just couldn't stay awake. And And then you only have like, if it's well, mostly two hour movies and you have an hour to talk about it. I, I just, I don't want to see the full movie in class. I want to use class time to talk, you know, it's just seeing a movie. I mean, but nowadays everybody should be able to see it on their own time. You don't, doesn't have to be like that anymore. Anyway, we finished the class. Everybody left. I, I think I said at the end, I'm like, was everybody okay with the, the class? <laughs> Would we say she's um, a little chubby? So no, I think everybody left in a good mood, and I just stayed there. And I was—it was so weird. I was like, you know, by myself, and a little shaky, you know, like just like, wow, I can't believe it's over. I was like packing stuff up, like you'd see in the movies, you know, where a student comes. I'm Professor Jessica, can I ask you a question about this? Event? Yeah, I was packing up all my stuff and <clears throat> taking my time. I was in no rush. Uh, I was writing stuff down at the like. I was just staying after class doing like work for next week (laughs) and because there was no rush and I was so relaxed I kind of remember this feeling after teaching that one class in Milburn at the junior high teaching I mean for eight or seven classes in one day and then I remember having a break at lunch and being you know exhausted and needing to sit for a period of time it's kind of like that it's um 
it, it's like a high, but it's also like, it's, it's a little exhausting. I'm standing the whole time. Well, I was sitting for a little bit anyway. I guess I'm just trying to piece it together in my mind. I haven't really talked about it at all until just now. And I sat and I called my nephew. I said, do you want to go out? And we both agreed it's just a crappy day to do anything. So he went to the gym. And then I called my friend Evan and I said, hey, can we go to a bar and like, you know, can I have a drink and get something to eat because I hadn't eaten all day. And he's like, yeah, let's uh, we'll meet at this place called Just Jake's, which I had been to with my uh, cousins a couple like maybe last summer. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. So I just, you know, took my time. I it, talked to a couple people while I was just sitting there, just kind of taking it all in because I can stay there until I guess about eight o'clock until the door locks automatically. <laughs> and then I finally, you know, I went to the bathroom and I left. I had to walk to my car and find it where it is going the opposite way in the dark. So that took about 20 minutes. They kept going the wrong way. Yeah, I called my friend Evan. And he goes, let's meet there. And I went there and it was crowded, which I don't know why I wasn't thinking it would be because it's just Montclair and it's Jersey and it's a Thursday. But, it, but I kept forgetting it was only about 830, maybe nine. I don't know. And I, I got this table, and then my friend Evan's like, yeah, I'm in the back, but I thought he said, he said, party in the back. And I said, I thought you meant parking in the back. But he apparently was at a party in the back, because I saw they had a sign, they said, we do stand-up comedy in the back, and I said to this kid, I'm like, hey, can I take a look at the back room? I want to see what it was like. And there was a, he said, there's a private party in there, and I'm like, oh. So I look in the private party, I'm like, oh, it's a bunch of douchebags. And I go back out and I sit and I'm like, hey, are you coming or what? Where are you? He goes, I'm in the party in the back. I'm like, that's a private party. He goes, yeah, I know, but um, you're invited. And I'm like, I don't understand. Wait, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> what do you mean we're invited to a private? Why didn't you say my friend's having a party at Just Jake's and that's why we're going there? He goes, I had forgotten about it. And I wasn't going to go out today because the weather was bad. And then when you had said, I was just like, wait a minute, he's having that party. I can hit two birds with one stone. So I went to, he goes, it's all television producers and people like that and creative people come back and, you know, meet them all. But uh, actually this great guy who I really love and was talking about before, because he's got that amazing loft space. I think I told you guys, you might've seen pictures of it on the bonus show. This guy, Glenn always listening to the podcast he's always like uh you don't have to tell because we hadn't seen each other in like six seven months he goes you don't have to tell me what's going on i know everything from the podcast uh did you get dry shoes you know <laughs> but this guy's the best he's so sweet so we were just talking me him and everyone were just talking the whole time and i met a couple of the people and they seemed okay uh but they you know they weren't that great <laughs> but I was excited to be drinking. Obviously, I just had an amazing day, and it was a little loud, so I was screaming again. So I was like, I'm going to lose my voice by tomorrow, but totally worth it. And I think I had three beers. I was just very happy to be out and that I did this and definitely deserved a drink that day. I wish I could have eaten something, but that was the only thing. I just, I kind of wanted to make a quiet night between just me and my friend Evan, but it was, it was better this way. It was much more fun and what a, my sister was like, wait, you went out to a party after? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. Apparently in Montclair, they party all the time. Everybody my age parties all the time. It's uh, lots of fun out there, I guess. 20 miles outside of New York City. It was a good time. And then and then the, the best was there's this guy who married one of my very close friends. And now they're divorced because he's a very strange dude. But he's kind of like the mayor of Montclair, like everybody knows him because he's got this weird, crazy, curly-haired look. His his, his name is Dick Grabowski. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't forget that kind of name. You talk to anybody in Montclair, I'm like, do you know Dick Grabowski? Like, oh, of course, I know Dick Grabowski. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he anything. I just you know he didn't. He wasn't a good match with uh, my friend, but apparently his son was at this party, and his son was perfectly nice and normal. I couldn't, I was like, oh, wow. So at the end, I was like talking, I'm like, oh, I know your dad. Cause he, he's like, he, he was going out with my friend. He goes, you mean Irene? And I'm like, you mean his wife? And I'm like, oh, right. I forgot they were married. I, I totally had forgotten they were married. I mean, I've known this girl since the eighties. In fact, I think we saw the uh, Muppets in outer space together <laughs> in the nineties, I guess. I don't know. So we was talking to him, and he was really nice. The party was, I was like the last one there, of course, except for these three guys. And I was just talking to him. 
over this counter, like um, trying to explain the thing because it was a, you you, you walk up a, a ramp to get to the back, you know, area where this party was and perhaps where they do stand up comedy. So I'm resting myself on like the panel of the ramp and talking to the guys at the table across the the panel of the the ramp like a wood you know like a like a wall almost i'm talking to the kid i know your dad knows that so i go where's where's he now he goes, oh, he's probably partying somewhere the guy's 77 but he's known for like you know his partying he looks he's got sammy hagar hair he's a very interesting guy so i go out to the bar with uh, evan and glenn and he's sitting there dick grabowski and i go wait i said that guy looks just like dick and they're like, no it is good and i'm like wait a minute he's here his son doesn't know. So I go, hey, I'm Dave Jessica. I met you, you know, because you married my friend. And he, he was like, I was like, I was just talking to your son. He goes, my son's here? And I'm like, yeah, wait, are you pulling my leg or am I, or do you think I'm pulling yours? He, he didn't believe me. His son was there. They were split by one wall and didn't know each other was there. And I said, well, can you just come back there so I can do the scene from Annie Hall? Because <laughs> this will be, this is my dream come true. And so I go to see the kid. I'm like, oh, listen, I, I wanted to talk to you for a second. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I happen to have um, Dick Grabowski right here. If you'll just step in here. And then he comes in and it was like, hey, hey, this is the greatest day of my life. Because <laughs> that was the best able to do that. I actually happen to have. <clears throat> you know nothing about my work. How you got to teach a course in this is beyond me. See, it's all coming back. We saw the Fellini film last Tuesday. It is not one of his best. He lacks a cohesive structure. You know, you get the feeling that he's not absolutely sure what it is he wants to say. Of course, I've always felt he was essentially a, a technical filmmaker. Granted, La Strada was a great film. Great in its use of negative imagery more than anything else. But that central cohesive core, you know, that must lead through an artist's work, leading from one to the other. Screaming his opinions in my ear. You understand what I'm talking about? Like all that Juliet of the Spirits or Satyricon. I found it incredibly indulgent. You know, he really is. He's one of the most indulgent filmmakers. He really is. And without, without getting, let's put it this way. depressed about? I miss my therapy. I overslept. How can you possibly oversleep? The alarm clock. Do you know the hostile gesture that is to me? I know, because of our sexual problem, right? Everybody online at the New Yorker has to know our rate of intercourse. It's like Samuel Beckett. You know, I admire the technique, but it, it doesn't it doesn't hit me on a gut level. I'd like to and hit this guy on a gut that, level. Stop it, Albie. He's spitting on my neck. You know, he's spitting on my neck. And you know something vision. else? You know, you're so egocentric that if I miss my therapy, you can only think of it in terms of how it affects you. It's Weltanschauung is what it is. It's probably on their it's first date, right? View probably met by answering an ad in the New York Review of Books. 30-ish academic wishes to meet woman who's interested in Mozart, James Joyce, and sodomy. What do you mean our sexual problem? I mean, I'm comparatively normal for a guy raised in Brooklyn. Okay, I'm very sorry. My sexual problem. Okay, my sexual problem, huh? I never read that. That was that was uh, Henry James, right? Novel, you know the, the sequel to Turn of the Screw. It's the My influence sexual... of television. Yeah, now Marshall McLuhan deals with it in terms of it being a, a high, a high intensity. You understand? A hot medium. What I would give for a large sock as with horse manure in it. What do you do when you get stuck or... on a movie line with a guy like this behind you? Wait a minute. Why can't it's I give my maddening. opinion? It's a free country. He, he, he can give you. Do you yeah. have to give it so loud? I mean, aren't you ashamed to pontificate like that? And, and the funny part of it is, Marshall McLuhan, you don't know anything about Marshall McLuhan's oh, really? work. Really? I happen to teach a class at Columbia called TV, Media, and Culture. So I think that my insights into Mr. McLuhan, well, have a great deal of validity. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, that's funny because I happen to have Mr. McLuhan right here. So, so, yeah, just let me, let me, let me, come over here a second. Oh, tell I him. Heard, I heard what you were saying. You, you know nothing of my work. You mean my whole fallacy is wrong. How you ever got to teach a course in anything is totally amazing. Boy, if life were only like this. So that was fun. And then uh, all I was doing was looking for some place to grab something to eat because uh, I didn't want to eat by the time I got home. I'm like, is there a White Castle open or something? There was a Wendy's open. I went there, ate in the parking lot. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but I'm glad I ate something. And then I went home. 
and it kind of stopped raining at this point, thank God, because I just couldn't take any more rain in the car. Because that's why I would have probably gone to Hoboken, hung out with my friend Caitlin, but it was just like, I, I don't want to do any of this in the rain. I don't want to drive any further than I have to in the rain. I really was having trouble seeing the road. I just, uh, I don't I, I don't know whether it's just me or my car or just having trouble driving in the dark or maybe my car lights aren't very good. I don't know. Uh, went back into the city. Couldn't have been easier because it was late. So that was brilliant. I think I'm going to have to go out every night after after class because nobody there's so much traffic in that area so much horrible traffic that you know even taking the maybe taking the train might be the best idea so we'll see how it goes and then i came home and i couldn't have been in a better mood i was like wow i can't believe i did all this today and then this morning i woke up and i'm trying to put fast times on things so they can i wrote to my students i'm like it's professor Jessica. good times last night huh fellas Huh? Ladies, boys, it's split, half and half, girls and boys. But I will say, as I know all of you wanted to know, I think it was uh, a, super, a really interesting time. I, you know, obviously, I, I'll get better, and I had a good time talking to everybody. Everybody, the, the conversations are good, and I just hope they were interested. That's all you can really hope for, I guess, as, as a teacher, is that you're trying to engage them and they're not totally falling asleep. But it's difficult to not fall asleep. It's 5.30 at night. It's obviously dark outside in the winter. It's raining. All of a sudden, you're in a nice, comfortable screening room where it's dark. The odds of not falling asleep are extremely slim, especially if you're Dave Juskow. So that is the story with that. Dinner is served promptly at 8 in the private dining room. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cups. Now, let's go backwards and talk about the week in general, since it was quite interesting. I will say that on Friday, and and I actually mentioned this in class, I saw the movie Orphan First Kill. Now, I knew I kind of wanted to see it because I saw the first Orphan, and I've seen it multiple times because it's just bad but there's something fun about it obviously it's a horror film about a a girl who's like 40 but she pretends to be nine so she can join be adopted by a family and seduce the father that's the so as soon as i heard that i'm like well that's kind of hot like poison ivy you know (laughs) so i'm like all right i'll watch that and it's a horror movie and the first one was okay it was fun for a horror movie what it is and so I'm like, well, I guess I got to see this one. And this is a prequel. And I, I, I taped it so I could fast forward through all the stuff, the, the the bad stuff that we were actually talking about in class where it's like, how many times are you going to go to that door? And then there's not going to be, there's going to be a cat behind it, you know? So just trying to go 10 seconds ahead. But I got to tell you, there was a twist in that movie. And I was like, huh, this is all right. <laughs> they, they came up with another plan. This is not just a uh, a, a repeat. I got to say, I've been talking about it. I'm like, I got to say, this is uh, this is not bad. I mean, it's bad, but I like that they put some thought into it. So that was obviously that, that girl is uh, really good. I don't know what her name is, but she uh, plays a good uh, villain, I guess. But it, they, there's a little twist that was very surprising if you if you were going to watch. But I, I, I would think you'd have to watch the first one first because... That way, that's the only way you're going to appreciate the the twist, I think, you know, because Catalina was asking me that because I don't know whether I mentioned this last week or not. I can't remember because this might happen on Friday too. the Catalina, our friend from Chile, who's, you know, only what, 21, 22, if she's that, watched Arthur on my recommendation and our recommendation. And we know we all love the movie Arthur and loved it. Thank God. This is going to be like with the kids. If they, you know, eh, if they don't like Fast Times, I'll see. But I'm going to show them Arthur. And if they love it, like Catalina, it'll make me so happy. But for somebody who's from another country, who's just same age as these kids, and, and she loved it as much as we do, another 40 years later, I couldn't have been happier. I'm like, all right, now we can be friends forever, for real. If you appreciate Arthur, 
she appreciated the opening song that we were playing, right? Of course. Oh, she totally got it. And she's like, oh, I heard that. I love this. You know, because the song just fits the movie and it's so special. Couldn't have been happier. So that is the best. When you recommend a movie and somebody likes it as much as you do, what's better than that? And that is my entire class, isn't it? So I'm really hoping they might like this. But if they don't, I can understand that. I will be crushed if it's Arthur and they don't like it. You know, who knows if that holds up? And that's the question. Clueless holds up. I think it completely holds up. But Fast Times, I don't know. If you're talking about uh, getting high, scalping tickets, and, uh, you know, obviously abortions and stuff, that's normal. I mean, that's still happening. But, um, you know, all the kind of stuff that kids don't really do anymore. It's not the, I don't know. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's 40 years ago and high school was much different. Little, you know, and certainly, God, when I think about, uh, here, I got, I got an article for you that I just read today, which I couldn't even believe. This woman wrote an essay for the New York Times. She was working, I guess, in China. She raised two daughters in China with her husband. Uh, I guess they, they were living in Shanghai uh, and possibly because he's a government worker or something like that. And they were living under China law. And she's like, she's like, she says she misses some of the, the good the communist run country played in raising her kids. And you're like, come on. But when she spells it out, she, you know, you, you're like, well, She's like, these kids could ride the subway there at 11 because there's no crime because it is police run. You never think of it that way. And the way they school and the way that they, they you know, make the kids learn or whatever, there, there are these things that she wrote which was you can make a case for <laughs> that this communist-run country is not horrible for raising kids. And I think she didn't even notice until she came back and they moved to D.C. and her kids had an active shooter incident. And she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Maybe the communists got it right. And it sounds ridiculous, but when you think of it that way, <laughs> what a fascinating take on it. As soon as she said the active shooter, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, Jesus, you know, when you're watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High, they weren't thinking about that they're thinking about how to score van halen tickets they're thinking about all this stuff they're not thinking about well they're in california but well yeah now they're they're not thinking about weather related incidents they're not thinking about terrorist attacks they're not thinking about active shooters i mean it's it's so does that movie hold up in that sense i don't know because it was a different time I can't even imagine what these kids are growing up with. We talk about this all the time. You really got to worry about a, an actual bully in school that some that he might just kill you and your friends. They, the, 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 there's the the kid that um, speaking of guns, it's all guns today. That 13 year old kid who, um, or no, was it yeah, thir- was he 10? Oh, six year old kid who shot his teacher in Virginia. Remember, it's it's really messed up. She's alive, thank goodness. But this stupid six-year-old kid, and they're talking to the parents, and they're like, this is what they say. Our family has always been committed to responsible gun ownership and keeping firearms out of the reach of children. The firearm our son accessed was secured. What what the fuck kind of statement is that? Clearly it wasn't secured. He got the gun. How do you consider your? How dare you? Say you're you're responsible to to gun ownership. <laughs> the kid had a six year old, and he's shot a teacher. You weirdos! And then they say the kid's got problems. He's uh, what, what do they say? He's um, he's got an acu- suffers from an acute disability. They don't say what it is, and was under a care plan at the school that included his mother or father attending school with him and accompanying him every day to class. And that was the day they did not accompany him for some reason. So the kid is a problem kid. 
and they've got guns in the house. This is Sandy Hook all over again. You have a prop, a very high autistic child in the house, and you're showing them how to use guns. Um, I'm not saying anything about autistic or anything. What I'm saying is, if you've got a problem child and you got guns in the house, that can never go right. And every child is problematic, so technically you really shouldn't have guns in the house. But obviously this kid really, had a, if his parents have to accompany him to school, there should be no guns in the house. So boy, that kind of stuff. I can't believe kids have to deal with this on a daily basis where even the parents won't take responsibility. And speaking of not taking responsibility, Alec Baldwin, right? He's going to go to jail. And I don't even know whether he deserves, you know, nobody... <laughs> guy doesn't need to go to jail for six years he needs to somehow be uh, take responsibility but the thing is all they're saying is this new information came out yesterday he's charged with involuntary manslaughter and they say had he done his job he would have been alive now what they're saying is he shot the gun but that shouldn't be the case yes he shot the gun but he's just a dopey actor Unfortunately, he's the producer of the film, so that is where the issue lies. But if you're saying he should have looked in the gun and made sure there were no... I'm like, that he's an actor. I wouldn't think to do that. I would completely trust the person, but he's the producer. But I don't say pulling the trigger is the issue, even though now he's lied about pulling the trigger and they have evidence that he pulled the trigger, so he's already in trouble because he's been lying. But I don't think... Him pulling the trigger is the question. Him being the producer and hiring this idiot, uh, Gutierrez, whatever her name is, is also in trouble. That's where the problem lies. You know, you're hiring somebody on a set and they don't know what they're doing. They're fooling around. They're taking pictures with their holsters and all that kind of stuff. That's where he's in trouble. But nobody, you blame him, but you also don't. He's just an actor. He's a dopey actor. How is it his responsibility to check the gun? It's not his responsibility to check the gun. It's hers. But he hired her because he's a producer. Meanwhile, the best part of this is they're trying to pick up production of this stupid movie that no one wants to see. And they're trying to start production on it again. I don't know with who or how. And they shut it down again because of this happened. I'm like, what is so great about this Rust movie? Nobody's going to give a shit. And it's not going to be one of those things I think everybody's going to want to see. Because of this, I think it will be tainted. So I would say you scrap production on Rust, you weirdos. Right? You want to see Alec Baldwin in the thing where he's where he's actually committing a murder in the movie? Is that I I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna want to see that. And I still don't understand how they're not taking into consideration that the woman who was killed was Ukrainian, and since nobody knows how a live round got on the set, how there could be some sort of conspiracy. Thank you. No one's talking about that, and why not bring it up? Because when all possibilities, since nobody seems to know what happened, then you got to go for the crazy ones. I just watched Death Wish last night, the original Death Wish, and when all the conclusions that don't well, that make sense are out the window... Got to go with the ones that don't make sense. Yeah, I heard that story. Yo, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. Rocky, you know. Listen, uh, I don't know what to say because I ain't never talked to no door before. I know you ain't too happy at this moment, you know. But you can do me a favor because, listen, I got... Ten sore knuckles and a ringing ear. I got a bruise over here and here and over here. I got a swelled up eye. But listen, don't you fear. Cause hey, my nose ain't broken. And today's Thanksgiving and I'm sort of free. Except I got no one but turtles for company and i was hoping that you'd go out with me and i won't do no joking if i had just one chance you know i'd have it made i'd buy you bunches of roses and a lemonade and you would want to go out and not be so afraid but hey Hey, so 
Would you like for me and you to go out All together? Right. Yes. Yeah, we'll have a nice time. Me and you, we'll have a real nice time. I ain't no trophy prize. I guess I'll never be. But hey, my nose ain't broken. Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? Okay, I got to, okay, I got to tell you. Okay, Jesus Christ, I got so much to tell you, and I, I, I don't want to go long. All right, let's get to it. All right, uh, okay, okay, shit. All right, I'm just really quick. Vincent, my friend Vincent, okay? You ready for So I go out with him on Tuesday night. Now, Wednesday was Atel's birthday. We went to the deli. There's pictures of that. Uh, I'll tell you this, but I got to tell you this story because you're not going to believe this story. I actually should have probably opened with this story, but how can I not open with the teaching? All right, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Because this is unbelievable. Every time I tell you a Vincent story, it's just this guy just doesn't seem to get what a treasure trove of greatness it is. But the funny thing is, is that I guess I have these kind of stories too, but his are more classic for us because they are 40 years older or 20 years older, you know, whatever. So he tells me, I'm like, dude, you never told me this story. This is, you've got to be fucking kidding me on this one. And we went out for dinner on Tuesday. I met him. Uh, we went to the corner bistro. I got pictures. That's where they give you, remember, I, they give you the cheeseburger. They're known for their cheeseburger and fries, but on a paper plate. Oh, the paper plate. Anyway, beer. We met this great bartender, Josh. And so funny, Vincent's like 72, 72. He's like, you know, back in the city, the, the burger was a dollar fifty. I mean, now I have a friend that talks like that. But when I say a friend like talks like that, I talk like that. I was pretty much doing that yesterday in class. So, you know, years ago, uh, back in the nineties, there was a show called Twin Peaks, and uh, it was a very funny line in the movie. But uh, you you wouldn't know what it is now. So I'm exactly the same way. But we met this guy, and he was completely fascinated by everything. Vincent's so funny. He re- we are very much alike. He has friends of all ages, just like I do. And he just meets people along the way, and they become friends. It's so funny. I just realized it on Tuesday. This guy who's 23 is the bartender. And he was fascinated by everything Vincent was saying about the way the Corner Bistro used to be. And, you know, we were talking. So, And I told the kid this story. I'm like, well, this guy just told me the most amazing story yesterday. So, you know, my friend Vincent and I, Vincent used, worked at this bar called Caliban on 26th and 3rd, as you know, or might not have remembered for since the 70s right it's been open since the 60s started bartending there in the 70s all the way to where i met him in the 90s and then he bought the bar and then we kind of co-owned the bar a little and i bought all my friends in there so anybody that you know that's a com you know because then i bought a new generation of people where he was saying all these actors and people were in there um he was telling me like burt young used to come in everybody used to come in there It was a great bar and then i started bringing all these comedians in in the 90s so we all have we have the same stories, just different generations. Anyway, apparently, Sylvester Stallone used to come into the bar because his girlfriend at the time was a bartender or waitress at the bar next door. So he used to spend time when he was going to pick her up at the bar talking to Vincent because they were both actors at the time. Vincent was still a working actor. He's on some soaps and stuff. So they were talking shop. And uh, he was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really into boxing and... Uh, Vince uh, Muhammad Ali is gonna fight Ken Norton at the at the Garden next week. I'm getting tickets. Do you want to come with me? And Vince is like, Yeah, I'd love to do that because Vincent is this type of guy that you, even though he's a bartender, you. The first day I met him, I said, "Hello, my name is David Jessica. You'll be seeing quite a bit of me." I I just knew we were gonna be friends, even though he hated me the first day he met me. But that's every friend I've ever had. So, (laughs) so he goes, "You want to come to the fight with me?" So he goes, "Yeah." I'd love to. Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton. This is in 74, let's say. So it turns out about a week before the fight that Ken Norton, or maybe a couple days before the fight, Ken Norton, I don't know, gets sick or hurt, whatever the case may be. And they replace him with some unknown guy. And he's like, hey, Vincent, uh, I don't want to do the invitation because it'll ruin it, but... um, and Ken Norton's not going to be in it. I'm still going to go. Do you want to go? And Vince's like, nah, I don't want to go now. And he's like, I understand. You know, I'm just, I'm going to go anyway. You know, I like boxing and I like rooting for the underdog, you know. So he goes to the garden and the story goes, and I guess we can all look this up online, but Vincent told me the story. The story goes that 
the guy was getting the shit beat out of him by Muhammad Ali. And in about the seventh round, the guy started coming back and giving it to Muhammad Ali. And the guy, and everybody remember was booing this guy and he sucks. He's a bum. And then in the seventh round, when he was getting some hits in a Muhammad Ali coming back in the seventh round, the crowd was going crazy and chanting this guy's name, whoever it is. Obviously, I can look it up. They start chanting this guy's name. It's a turnaround. They're chanting against Muhammad Ali. And Sylvester Stallone comes back from the garden. Remember, this place is on 26th and 3rd. The garden's on 32nd and or 33rd and 7th. And that's what we all used to do. If you go to a concert, you go to a sporting event, Knicks, Rangers, I would always come back, well, because I live in that neighborhood, to Caliban after a show or a movie, always come back to Caliban. So Stallone comes back for, you know, a, a nightcap, as they used to say. So Stallone comes back from the garden, and he goes to, after the fight, and he goes to Vincent, Vincent, I got my screenplay. I got it. Tonight was the night. I, it just, it was right there. It's, a, it's an underdog story, and I've been looking for it, and I figured it out. And, you know, he, he's like, what? He's like, yeah, he figured it out. So he, he goes home, and he, and he writes it, <laughs> and, and then his girlfriend comes in. What did Vincent say the timeline was? Maybe three months later, because apparently, as you can see in a documentary, he wrote it really fast. Three months later, his girlfriend comes to Caliban to say goodbye to Vincent. He goes, hey, we're moving to L.A. We're going to try and sell this thing. I think it's a piece of shit, but we're going to try and sell it. <laughs> no, he goes, we're going to try and sell this thing. And he's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Good luck to you. And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, and then he's like, you guys are making a huge mistake. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. That's what I would have said. I don't know. That L.A. can eat you up and swallow you all. But no, that three months later, they said, we're moving to L.A. We just wanted to say goodbye. And obviously, the rest is goddamn history. Are you fucking kidding me? That's an unbelievable story that is not in any documentary. That Vincent somehow is a part of. He's like the the, the zealot that everybody calls me all the time. That in, he's in the, all these important events through history. I mean, that is an unbelievable story. I got my screenplay. I, got, I can't believe it. It was all this guy. They just start chanting his name. It, was, it could work. It could work. Oh, you must be Mr. Rocky Balboa. Mr. Jurgen's expecting you. Just a moment. Mr. Balboa. How are you? George Jenkins. Take a chair, please. Thanks. Mr. Balboa. Call me Rocky. It's Rocky. Tell me, Rocky, you got any representation? You have a manager? Uh, no, just me. Oh. Rocky, I've got a proposition I'd like to make to you. Uh, a, a sparring? Beg your pardon? Well, I just said I know you're looking for sparring partners, and I just want to say I'm very available, you know? Sure you are. Absolutely. Uh, Spawn with the chairman would be an honor. And you know what, Mr. Jerkins? What? I wouldn't take no cheap shots either. I'd really be a good spawn partner, you know. You don't understand me, Rocky. My proposition's this. Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo's seen your fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Well, it's just that you see, uh, I fight in clubs, you know, and I'm really a ham and egg. This guy, he's the best, and uh, it wouldn't be such a good fight. But th thank you very much, you know. I appreciate it and all that. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. Apollo Creed does, and he's going to prove it to the whole world by giving an unknown a shot at the title. And that unknown is you. He picked you, Rocky. Rocky, it's the chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. What do you say? Oh, it's, uh, I can't handle it. I keep thinking, I'm like, wow. And obviously, uh, obviously Apollo Creed is supposed to be Muhammad Ali. It makes all the goddamn sense in the world. And... This guy got a fight. I mean, it happens a lot in boxing, but it's it's funny that it just he had to be there and he saw it and he's like a little light bulb over his head. Isn't that a fascinating story? Isn't that the best? Isn't that the best reason to tune into this podcast? Don't I give it to you all? I'm giving you everything today. I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing it up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes. 
I love that story. I absolutely love that story. And then on on Wednesday, we you know with a tell and his bird, he's always looking for a place. I gave him a couple ideas. He doesn't care. So we go to this place, Sarge's on Thirty Fifth and Third. It's like one of the last remaining delis that's open a little later because everything's as you know closing early. And uh, we used to like it, but it's gone way downhill during COVID. But it didn't. The food was excellent. It's just kind of a dump. But the food was actually much better than it was after COVID and in between. So it was pretty good. We had a good time. It was me, Ian Finance, Louis Katz, Nick Griffin, Russ Maneve, and Dave. And I do have some uh, footage. Uh, Dave and Russ posted some stuff on Instagram, if you saw, where Dave had a, a skeleton head skull that was uh, blowing out the candle on his cake, <laughs> which was obviously really funny. And the candle was a lit cigarette. Uh, so that was really funny. And I ordered, to everybody's disgust, uh, corned beef and chopped liver. <laughs> but it was delicious. I ate the whole damn thing. And then I had, I think, a chocolate cream pie for dessert. I mean, uh, what is the matter with me? Obviously, I had trouble sleeping. And that's the day before I was teaching. And I was all nervous. But thank- but it's so funny. You know, every birthday of David tells, I've told you, 100, we used to go out all night long. I'd go to work the next day just from the night before. Thank God nobody drinks anymore, and I we all just left and went home early. It's I mean this was perfect for me just because I was starting this new thing the next day, but I was glad I wasn't missing out on anything. Uh, because for years I would always usually go to the comedy cellar, even up last year, you know, for Dave for his birthday, I'd always be like, yeah, I'll come down with you. But uh, everybody just Nick left, Russ left, and that's just so not the way it used to be. And I was thinking, I was telling them. Um, my friend Stephanie, who's young, I was like, it's just so funny because we used to be out partying all night and now we're all old and we just like got some deli and went home. <laughs> you know, it's just we're old men. Meanwhile, we look on the wall we're leaving and there's a picture of Jeff and Dave and Bob Saget and Gilbert. And I had known that they had taken a picture at that booth before, I think even maybe with Norm McDonald, that they were all there and everybody's dead. And I said, let's not take a group photo. <laughs> but we, we did, but I said we shouldn't because this place might be cursed. Meanwhile, we walk out. There's a picture of them on the wall. And I pointed the wager. I'm like, that guy was here tonight. We, why didn't we know this was on the wall before? We could have probably gotten a discount. Uh, you know how I feel about that. Meanwhile, Dave wanted to pay for everybody, but nobody would let him. I would let him. <laughs> but it is rid- I hate when he pays on his own birthday. That is ridiculous. So he did let us pay. He's quite kind about that. But, that, but you can't do that on your own birthday. It's ridiculous. So. And I got to go home early and then, you know, fill out more stuff and do more stuff for the next day. It was great. But we had, we had a really good time at the birthday. We laughed a lot, obviously. It was really fun. And I'm glad we got to do it. And it was kind of in my neighborhood, so it was even better. But there's just so many, there's just not a lot of deli places anymore around. And they're definitely not open past like 5 or 6 o'clock. And just everything is just different. Uh, although the Corner Bistro still serves food until 3 a.m. and they're open till 4. So that's the last place, and that's in the West Village. So that is the last place you can eat something late at night. So that's that was good to know because we are always looking for a place. We're looking for a diner, but it usually has a cheeseburger anyway. So we should, you know, put that. We just don't usually like to go to a bar at that time. We'd rather go to a diner. But we finally found that diner that might be open 24 hours, and it wasn't bad. Remember, they had that unbelievable steak sandwich, which I was thinking of getting. I'm like, Ian, what are the odds that they're going to have another delicious steak sandwich at a diner again? He's like, yeah, I think it would be right. I think you should get something else. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right, kid. You're probably right. So anyway, this week coming up, I don't know what i'm doing i think i think there's a lot of billy joel stuff to do before obviously i have to get my class plan together now again uh which is a week but you know it's only eight weeks it's not that big a deal but monday i know oh um i I can tell you uh for those of you who do listen to billy joel we are interviewing liberty devito the billy joel's legendary drummer on wednesday and that'll come out in a couple of weeks so that is a huge get for us, obviously, somebody who's actually in the Billy Joel band, who's very angry and has a lot to say. It's just like my favorite Cheers episode, not my favorite Cheers episode, but the one with Fred Dreyer, and he comes in, and he's a big reporter, I've told you this a hundred times, and he's going to interview Sam about the old days, and everybody's into it, and then he finds out that this guy walks in, and he goes, hey, Fred, 
McEnroe wants to talk and he wants to get something off his chest. And then they just turn around and Fred Dreyer, like Newman, goes, uh, McEnroe. And then he goes, Sam, thanks a lot. I'll see you later. And they just, well, and it's really sad. But it's all, I always think about McEnroe. So, uh, Liberty DeVito is uh, going to get something off his chest on the Billy Joel A to Z. So we're doing that. We're also uh, doing our taping with Paul Lauren. I don't know if any of you guys care. I mean, I know three of you care. Uh, so it's a pretty big Billy Joel week on Tuesday. I'm working with Alon. We're doing a, a charity event for that PS11 school at Gotham. That's tonight. So we have the Tuesday night show, and then I'm going to go right over to the Gotham Comedy Club and perform there and then teach. So I'm out and about again. I think Saturday night I'm supposed to go see this girl in town perform, and then she's having a party at the hotel, but I told her the Giants game was going on. You know, if it was the Jets, maybe it would be different, but I don't know. Maybe I can go out, and I really got to get out because otherwise, again, I'll be here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm not going to see anybody, so I might go out Saturday can't make up my mind it's very difficult when it gets dark that early you know i'm just ready for bed <laughs> like i think we all are i know that's all going to change soon and everything's going to be cool but for now this is the way it is so uh on billy joy to z this week i still what is the matter with me why can't i remember we did tomorrow's today so what's next maybe travel and prayer i maybe i can't i think it's travel and prayer is next that's an interesting song and i think it's a good episode and obviously, again, the Tuesday show, no guests this time, but we will be at the studio. So please join us in the chat room. And other than that, I don't even tell me that next week is February. That can't be right. Is that possible already? Jesus. I don't know. I can't, I don't, you know, I can't add it in my head, but we will see you next time on Just Care on the City. Remember, join Patreon so you can see a couple of photos that I I uh, took this week that should be fun. I put it in a, I put it in a new way this week. Uh, please let me know if you like it better, where I'm just kind of in the corner and the pictures are a little bigger, I think. I think I figured it out. I, uh, you let me know if you like it uh, better. I think it's better that way, right? It's much more exciting. It's a little more work for me, but it comes out a little better, I think. Well, you'll let me know. Otherwise, everybody have a wonderful week, and thank you for listening to Just Guy on the City, and thank you for being a Patreon member of Just Gay on the City and all my podcast endeavors. I'll see you next week on Just Gay on the City. Good night, everybody. <laughs>